Welcome to Cultivate the Ordinary Podcast, curious conversations for the anxious, frustrated, dejected, and bored. I'm Travis. And I'm Jesse. So often, we're held captive by screens, schedules, and media that's mind-numbing and polarizing. This leaves us seeing dimly through a fog. We want to spark more imagination and a better awareness of God's presence in the everyday. Join us on a fun journey of discovery and curiosity as we look at the ordinary through the lenses of joy, wonder, beauty, and hope. From underneath the rug crawled a little bitty bug. She met it with a scream and I met it with a shrug. Gotta listen to my wife, gotta take your life, but I didn't feel a thing. But I had to clean my shoes some that night I went to bed thinking it was either him or me. Welcome to the podcast today. Really excited to have a good friend of ours, Danny Smith, who is the frontman and songwriter, main songwriter? For the indie band Wasper Jaws, the, right? the heartbeat behind Wasper the Jaws is how it, yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> stinger behind the wasp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about songwriting and the creative process, about stories and storytelling, and you know, kind of the inspiration behind, you know, what goes into how you write songs and music, and kind of what captures your imagination. What I love too about Wasper Jaws and your band is just, you know, how. Here you are in your 40s, and you go ahead and start this band with your wife and friends, and you're just taking ordinary moments and stories, looking back as you look back on your life or kind of questions that you've wondered or asked, and then writing songs about that, and then performing with friends and just having fun. I just, it's super cool, and uh, love to talk more about this today. Jess and I know Danny from probably like, I don't know, 20. 13 or so so about yep. gosh we're going over a decade in our friendship yeah wow 11 years 11 years um and what led us we were in st louis at the time what led us down here to south carolina was we were we we uh took a job at a children's home working with kids in foster care and that's been a space danny and his wife have been involved with for years right 18 right Probably around 18. 18 years. I'm bad with dates and numbers, but okay. I'll trust you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so we came down and, and we were then house parents in that role. And uh, Danny had been at this group home for, at the time, like how long before we were there? You were there. Several years. <laughs> OG out there. So several years. And I really so, don't know. Yeah. So he was, he was actually in a role of being our supervisor to where, um, you know, kind of helping us with just, you know, game plan, working with the kids that we had in our care. and A lot of hand-holding. Yeah. All right, you so that? he just yeah. really had to come in when we couldn't handle things. That's what, what happened. <laughs> Danny, uh, and, you know, a lot of this is born of his experience, but was kind of like, to me, this child whisperer of, like, you know, really tough behaviors that we'd work through. So it was like kind of having, like, a 911 operator on call for when when it hit the fan. Yeah, and so, and it did all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot, yeah. You had a lot of fan hitting. We had elementary boys, is what we primarily worked with, and so yeah. there with, you know. But, but yeah, but but the stories, you know, of these kids and what they were facing, you know, in foster care and all the trauma, and, and it's it's completely understandable, um, the level of fear and anxiety they they would have had, and then put them all together with others going through the same thing and. 
you've got a recipe for the most unpredictable days, <laughs> but a lot of fun. Like it's yeah, the our, most fun we've ever had. Yeah. I mean, some of our favorite memories, like we, <laughs> I, I don't think Travis and Jesse and I can get together without like laughing and just talking about old times <laughs> and things we've been through. And, uh, I don't know, things people, have, kids have called us and, right. but <laughs> as the guest on this podcast, I feel like it's my prerogative to also brag on you and say like, you guys were amazing. And like every time I'd go over there, they were there was something going on. They were like working on bikes or building a skateboard ramp or just, I don't know. It was, it's, that's, that's what those kids needed. Yeah. And you guys definitely brought that. And I was, I, I learned a ton from just working with you guys mm-hmm. and the, the energy that you brought to it, the passion uh, that you're still bringing to that space really is, yeah. it, I've, I don't know. I, I loved it. I loved working with you guys. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. And what's cool about our relationship to this day too, is, is, as we've kind of parted ways from that, place of being together is now that Jess and I have been with America's Kids Belong, there's been some opportunities to invite Danny and, and kind of his knowledge into some spaces with foster care panels and things like that to where, you know, he's been a, a voice kind of on a national stage here with, with stuff that they're doing too. So that's been really cool. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, Danny, your family, anything personally you want to share about who is Danny Smith? All right. Well, um, I grew up in Kentucky. Um, I, I grew up at kind of a summer camp. My parents basically kind of ran a summer camp, and that made for an interesting childhood. It was we, we I had access to a gym, a lake, a fishing lake, hiking. That I just spent a lot of time, especially during the summer when my parents were busy with my siblings and friends. And looking back on it now, I'm like, man, no, they didn't know where we were all day. You know, we had to we had to check in, but they were just I I felt like I had a good amount of freedom, and I I enjoyed that as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. Grew up, met my wife in college. We got married really young, had had kids really young, and just kind of out of convenience started working with kids in foster care outside of Chicago, and did that for about three years, and then we moved to South Carolina, and have raised our family here. We've got our kids are in college now, and I, it's feels a little bit weird like I'm doing things backwards like you're supposed to be in a band and then get married and settle down but (laughs) (laughs) I I did it the opposite way on accident Um, I didn't grow up like I was like even if I went back to Kentucky like I I mean maybe now it's a little bit different but Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up like as a musician I didn't play anything I I didn't sing you would I would have been horrified to get on stage and sing anything and in fact I remember one Easter, I had this girl that I liked, and she convinced me to sing just a line in a hymn for, like, the Easter play or something, and um, I don't think it went well, (laughs) but that was, that's, I I guess my point is that's not like I didn't grow up, like, performing. I was, I never would have done that, and so that's been a very recent development, Hmm. and I started by singing in front of people in church when uh, the people who usually led the songs I think it was like the A team was gone, the B team was gone, and people started looking around. They're like, I think Danny plays guitar and uh-huh. asked me to play songs one Sunday. But but, mm. but really, that is where I got kind of comfortable being just being able to play guitar and sing in front of people a little bit. And cool. Yeah. I've always kind of written, I've always kind of written stuff, words and some music, but this has been, it's just been kind of weird. Like, I'd, I'd say like, 
no nobody was waiting for a group of 40 year olds to start a band <laughs> and, and like want you to listen to their songs but here we are anyway so here we are anyway you know there's something really cool about that stage of life starting yeah. to write music because like you know second half of life like you're done with like you know people's approval and trying to build yourself up and all that stuff you're just like this is who I am yeah i'm getting more towards that it's I feel I do feel exposed a lot of times and especially like, you know, so some of my lyrics are personal and mm-hmm. and um, I, I've just kind of gotten over that. I've just become comfortable with, you know, here. Here it is. This is what I was feeling that day. And I, I've always I've always loved good songwriting. Like I yeah. I like poetry. I'm not like totally into it. I don't read poetry all the time, but I just I love good songwriting and I love like the how people choose words because it has to sound good. And it has to be the right word for what the song's about. So I've always loved it and um, didn't plan to start doing it. But, I, you know, I just wrote some silly songs early on. And it, and it, uh, I don't know. It's It's been a great help to me to work with good musicians, right. which you guys know Everett and Dave, who mm-hmm. are both in the band. And then my wife, Ashley, is a great harmony singer and singer. Um, but when I started, like, sharing my what I call very simple songs with them, and Everett would come up with a cool bass line, and Dave would make a pretty piano thing out of it and give suggestions on it and say, what about this for the chorus? That's kind of how this happened. It's, it's, I joke and about me being the heartbeat of it, but um, that that's how that process happens for me. And I'm, I'm so much better at like kind of maybe starting by myself and then collaborating because I do still need someone to say, uh, when I write something, I just don't know if it's good or not, and I I need someone to say like, yeah, we should do something with that. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, let's let's do something with this one then. <laughs> nice. Danny's gonna play a couple songs for us, one now and then one later in the podcast from their latest album from Wasper Jaws called Nine Good Songs. The first one is Imposter. So Danny, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what what's behind, what's the story behind this song, or what's it right. mean to you. I. I kind of introduced this one as it's kind of a weird song. Um, I don't know exactly where it came from, but it's about a guy that has imposter syndrome. And uh, his wife makes him kill a bug in their living room because she's scared of it. <laughs> and that kind of leads him to a full-on existential crisis. And so the what I'm going to sing here in a minute is just about kind of him describing some scenes from his life. And uh, the, there's another half of the song that I'm not going to play because the song just goes on too long. We'll all agree with that by the, <laughs> by the end of it. But, um, but so it's the rest of the song is just kind of him going into this existential crisis. But, but the parts I'm going to talk about is a little bit of home life, a little bit of trying to fit in. And this is a guy with imposter syndrome. Remember right. that. And then, uh, his, his life at work. Okay. Underneath the rug crawled a little bitty bug She met it with a scream and I met it with a shrug Gotta listen to my wife, gotta take your life But I didn't feel a thing But I had to clean my shoes some that night I went to bed thinking it was either him or me Well I hope he understands I'm just doing what I'm told I didn't want to hurt your friend But I'm trying to be bolder I know I learned a lesson Things won't be the same And I even retroactively have given you a name I'm not ready to say sorry I wish you were here to take half the blame My, my, my When you look up to the sky and laugh Cause it's all you can do 
By the time you realize you ain't got to worry Let's hope it ain't too late for you, my friend Let's hope it ain't too late for you Things were going good, I was learning how not to be rude Yes or no sir, please ma'am, thank you for the food ma'am Thank you for the invite to this fancy dinner I appreciate your graciousness toward this lowly sinner When I'm back this way again, I'll take you up on stopping in again real soon Driving home smiling, things were going right Finally been in the back of my head, kept tearing How do you do Miss Wiley, gotta shut that thinking out Keep this momentum going, gotta smile, shave my neck keep my teeth from showing when I got home there was a note said everyone's out of your league except for me my 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 when you look up to the sky and laugh cause the story ain't true by the time you realize you've been hearing only lies let's hope it ain't too late for you my friend let's hope it ain't too late for you My boss called me and said you've been hiding in your office Didn't know just what to say so I just went back to my office And I sat there in my chair Spun myself around and I smiled to myself About the thought that I'd found Then I got back on the internet and read some more descriptions of used trucks Staring at the wall and staring at a monitor I should be cutting grass or an elementary school janitor I could buy a little house, a little piece of land Put this phone away and pay attention to my kids When I left I found my boss would have a good one sir I'll see you next week Calm down sir, it looks like you're in a hurry But just what are you hurrying to? By the time you realize that you wasted half your life Let's hope it ain't too late for you, my friend. Let's hope it ain't too late for you. You gotta hear the album to get the rest of that song. <laughs> Love it. And we have a link for the album in the notes. Great song. Well, let's get a little bit into um, just, yeah, what's what's the origin of the band Wasper Jaws, the name? You're the lead singer or lead stinger? How about that? Both, for a yeah. Little? Okay, wait. Definitely. Yeah, the, my brother gave me the name. My brother said that I should name our band Wasper Jaws. And we had a we had a teacher in high school that would he was just one of these like gregarious people. Mm-hmm. He was a great guy. Like he was but um he would just call people Wasper Jaws. I don't know what that means to this day. Okay. I don't know if anyone does. I don't know if it's a common thing for people to say. But I just know that he would call people Wasper Jaws. And um in in Kentucky where I grew up and I I've heard throughout the Appalachians I'm not sure if this is true or not I just know when I was growing up we called a wasp a wasper okay. and I I can remember there was a time where it dawned on me like okay I'm calling it a wasper but the people around me and <laughs> at my college are not calling it a wasper they're wasper. calling it a wasp yeah so I I realized somewhere along the line that it's not called a wasper but that's what we grew up calling it and um so that's where wasper jaws came from but I I would say like I think it was kind of like early on like right as COVID hit I was just writing songs I had a bunch of songs written and that I would just play around the house no one had ever really ever heard them and then like I said I met Dave who I call Tips but he's he's an amazing musician he tunes pianos he just has such a good ear he's always trying to tell me like that's uh, what does he say like mixolydian and things like that <laughs> that I that I don't understand and I. He, he knows I don't even try to pretend to understand it, but he still wants to explain it to me very often. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm still lost on it. 
But anyway, he's. I love collaborating with someone like that because you need someone that knows this stuff. Like I sure. just, I'm writing very simple songs. So anyway, he's he's also very easy to work with because he has no, uh, like he's just down for whatever. Like let's try this, let's try that. He's up for whatever. So early on in COVID, as that as that hit, we had been getting together and just like trying to play songs together and. Um, collaborate on some songs and it just was really fun to sing with him he can he can sing really well he sings harmony like I said Ashley loves to sing harmony so we would start playing songs together and then it then one day just because it wasn't a joke but we were like I'm gonna I said I'm gonna text Everett and say like hey you're in the band now come play bass with us today and it was a Sunday and he's he just texted back like okay I'll be there in a few (laughs) so we started playing and we just had fun with it and and then it was like, well, we've got these songs. We should record them. Um, and that's all That's all we ever planned to do with it. We, we never said, like, let's, let's try to, like, play shows around. We've, we've, we don't really play a lot live. We've done some of that, but that's never been our intention. We just had songs. We wanted to share them with family and friends. So that's how that came about. Yeah, very cool. <clears throat> um, you got a really uh, fun and interesting story where you a famous band got a hold of your album and tell tell us about that that yeah. story well <laughs> my favorite songwriter has since i was maybe in like 7th grade has been john prine um he's uh, and i he's really big in eastern kentucky where i grew up so it's not like i was into something that no one else knew about but he's he's kind of like the bob dylan of that area like everybody knows john prine and as I moved to other areas, people didn't know him as much. And he's really kind of become a lot more popular the past few years through some events or whatever. But um, my plan was, and I, I told Ashley, like, when we get this album done, I want to send it to John Prine. I want him to hear it. And, you know, I didn't expect anything to come of it, but I thought, like, how cool would that be if John mm-hmm. Prine heard my songs? And um, he he was actually one of the first people, like, when COVID hit, he he caught COVID and passed away. Mm. And, um, he was like the, that was one of the first like major, like, I don't know, like a first celebrity that I knew of that, that died from COVID. So that, you know, that ruined that plan. And, um, that it really hit me in a personal way too. When he passed away, it it felt like someone that I was close to had died. Mm. Um, but when we got it done and I got the CDs in the mail, one of my other favorite songwriters is Scott Avett and the Avett brothers in general. We've been fans. We've seen them live a bunch of times. And um, I just, I like their approach to music. I like their approach to family and honesty in music. So I said, I'm going to send this to Scott Avett. So I sent him the album. And um, I don't know, it was only like f- maybe four or five days later. Um, I got ready for bed and got in bed. And my wife and I were just kind of scrolling on our phones which you guys are probably gonna have a podcast about not not, <laughs> not doing that <laughs> and let me say let me say i i heard your other podcast one of your podcasts i don't know how many you have now but i've listened to at least one and i'm the rest are on my agenda and the chemistry between you two <laughs> i feel it in person i'm I feeling feel it, it in, in person. i feel it in this room right now <laughs> but there was a certain you know like as yeah. you guys started talking and joking around there was a certain like i'll just we'll just call it a chemistry okay that i feel like you i could feel through the speakers in my truck cool yeah so wow. that was That's a nice compliment <laughs> it, yeah and um anyway what was i talking about oh yeah my wife and i scrolling instagram and i i scrolled up and i saw 
I saw a picture of our album, and I'm like, I hadn't, I haven't put this on anything yet, or maybe I had, I don't right. remember. But I was like, what is this? And Scott Avett had shared like the cover of our album from Apple Music on his Instagram, and said, um, I should know it. It said like, uh, give this album some love, and it will love you back. <laughs> And I mean, I was That's just like, unbelievable. I know I, I was dumbfounded. I was like, I mean, I was like, Ashley, open, open Instagram. Like I wanted her to see it on her own phone. <laughs> and I texted my brother. My brother is always one of the first, like if I come up with like even a guitar part or like a line, I send it to my brother. He's a, he writes songs too. And he's, he's, he's got a good sense and I trust his judgment. And, um, I texted my brother, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night. So I don't even know if he saw it that night. I can't remember. But I was like, I was like, go on the Avett Brothers Instagram or Scott Avett's <laughs> Instagram. So that, I mean, that, that really. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. I, and I told Ashley and I, like everybody else, I'm like, no matter what happens with this, we didn't plan for anybody to hear this. Um, right. We didn't make it thinking like we're going to, this is our shot. Right. <laughs> but, but I, I said like, if nothing else comes from this, the fact that, you know, one of my favorite songwriters heard it. And I guess he liked it. I mean, I never heard oh, from him, but for him to share it, I felt like I felt like that. That's like a really that I mean, felt that's really like good. A Wonka golden ticket moment. I know. I mean, is that up there with birth and marriage and like? <laughs> it's, it's above both. It's of above. Them. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, we're surprising. We can clarify whose birth we're talking about, but <laughs> your but own birth. I, I mean, I really was shocked, and then right. I felt like. Then I started have panicking like the next day. I was like, well, I want to tell him thank you, yeah. but I don't want to come. I, I don't want to be weird about it. Like I'm not, <laughs> he's going to think I'm trying to be friends with him and, and be like, what did I do? I'm going to delete right. that off my Instagram. So I just kind of, <laughs> I said, thank you. And just kind of like backed That's away. That's a good play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll never yeah. yeah reach out in indie albums again. Yeah. If you're not but I, I check his Instagram every once in a while. I'm like, I wonder if, he's, yeah. wonder if it's still on there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So when I think about you and, and your your songs, and you've kind of alluded to this already, um, but you know you're from Kentucky, and uh, there's a great line by a Spanish uh, philosopher who says, "Tell me the landscape in which you live, and I will tell you who you are." I love that so much. I'm North Dakota boy, mm-hmm. and you know I think we we there is this identity from where we're from, and you know that. So with you though, that really seeps into your music. So how does Kentucky? What 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 is that? identity piece that just is so much part of what you write yeah i i mean i've been kind of surprised how often it comes up and even like new songs i haven't recorded yet kentucky is a theme and um i, I mean I don't, I don't really know why i don't know if it's because that's where i grew up or just because it's a great state which it is but i just love it there i love so many things about it i mean it's it's got its issues like it like everywhere else but um, I think it's something I didn't appreciate while I was there, which I think is a common thing for people. I moved away when I was 18, and I've never lived there since. Mm-hmm. But my parents are in the same house that they've been in since I was five, and I just love going back there. And um, I, I have so many good memories of growing up in Kentucky. And like I said, there was a lot of uh, freedom. I, you know, I, when I was like 12, I had a little dirt bike, and I'd just get to ride it back in the woods <laughs> and feel like nobody knows where I'm at. And, um <laughs> I I really had a great childhood, and I give my parents the credit for that. And my parents, um, 
went to work at this camp and the the goal of the camp was to be an outreach a christian outreach for just like not disadvantaged kids but it's a very impoverished area Mm -hmm. so it's to give them something fun and to share you know the gospel with them and um they've they it's something that they've always that they're they're like the most satisfied people i know but they've never they've never done anything like they've never chased money they've never tried to be anything more Mm. than what they are so i guess i can't separate that from the state of kentucky which i also love sure but you know just going back i just have so many great memories of friends that i knew there and um i i I find it really hard to write about things like if like if i couldn't write a song about you know us meeting and recording a podcast tomorrow but in 20 years i might think about it and it could be something it but it's yeah i I need space between things i don't know why that is yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean i'm a i'm a visual artist Mm -hmm. uh, but and i know in in my experience creating you know you just have to you have to be feeling it you have to be in the right mood you have to be like kind of present and not not really worried about anything or whatever Um, what is that like for you? Like the creative process, you know, leading up to the times you've written something really moving or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like I, I, they come out in kind of, uh, groups. What's the word I'm looking for? Not batches. They come out in batches. Batches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I'll tend to get two or three. I just feel, and that's, that's, I feel like I just get them sometimes. They, they just are there. Um, not that they just come out, out all at once or a magic trick happens, but I'll just, I'll have like a three or four day spurt where I just feel very creative. Like I'm writing stuff down. I'm coming up with different things that I have maybe hadn't played before on the piano or guitar. But, um, I, I read a book about songwriting by Jeff Tweedy and I, he's, he's another, I used to be a huge Wilco fan and he would talk about like putting the work in, like you got to sit down and write every day. And I've read that from a lot of writers that are professional writers. Like you just have to do it every day and there's going to be a lot of bad and, but that's how you get the good. And I believe that. I think that's true. And I think if I would go by that, I'd probably write some songs, but I'm, I'm not a professional songwriter. It's hard to even say that I'm a songwriter because I feel like it just kind of happened and that's what it, what it is. So I, I don't totally identify as that, Mm -hmm. but I, I guess my process, I, I keep a note, a running note on my phone. It's very long where if I hear like a phrase I like, or if I think of something funny, or if I think of something that like is meaningful, I write it down. And sometimes I'll just keep writing and it'll be like two paragraphs worth. And, um, so usually I've got ideas like lyrical ideas are the easier part for me. I've got a batch of those that I feel like I can go to that. And, um, but it's, I'm not a natural musician. I'm really not. And I'm not just saying that to be falsely humble. Like I'm an adequate musician, but I, I really need to get something like going on the guitar or piano. And then I'm like, okay, this feels like, let me find some words that feel like this and that'll get me started. And then there's no telling what it'll turn into from there. Hmm. Um, and some, like when I was writing imposter, I had this piano, I was just playing on the piano and I was just singing nonsense but I, it sounded like the syllables were in the right spot. And then I kind of started writing words around that. And I, I like imposter so long. It's too, it's too long of a song, but too bad because it's not supposed to be a radio single. So we were like, <laughs> we're keeping all the verses, but 
I had so much fun writing that song, like this character in my mind. I didn't want it. To, I would. I was like, I want to write one more verse for this guy. <laughs> um, so when, once I've got that structure, mm-hmm. I love filling in the structure. Yeah. But every time I write a song, I think, well, that'll be the last time I ever do that. I'd, I won't get another one. Oh, man. <laughs> well, that so I'm so fascinated by the creative process. Um, I've read a lot of books on this and. Um, you know, as a writer myself, and 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 I would actually put forth that everybody is is creative. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of people that want to categorize. There's there's this false thing of where well he's a creative, I'm not. Well, we would say as image bearers of the creator, you have to have it in your DNA that you are. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it is that we're we we either don't define creativity more broadly enough, or we just don't see that the things yeah that we're doing are are actually in fact creative, but just respond to what you said about some people talking about, um, you know, sort of this process, almost like exercise. If I do enough, you know, um, laps around this, or if I do enough lifting, you know, in terms of writing, it'll come. And, you know, it's interesting because it does seem that there is something about just, you know, you do enough and the process leads to good stuff. But there's also, I think I resonate more with when I read people that talk about, creativity is almost this mysterious thing that almost comes upon you. Mm-hmm. And they talk about almost having to obey it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've all, you know, probably had times where like a light bulb epiphany moment has happened. And sometimes that's the most creative thing ever. Well, you weren't like sitting there even as, you know, thinking, trying to create something that yeah. came up and you know what I mean? And so like th- that, I find really interesting on how, how it's different for yeah. people. Like and that. I have tried like, like sometimes I'll think like, oh, I should write a song about that. And that, that happened to me on mm-hmm. March 28th. That's why I said I just had a piano thing that I was playing calling that for years because I was like, I want to write a song about that. But I didn't have the angle. Yeah. I didn't know how to like, I don't want to just say like, this is about a basketball game. And it, Tom T. Hall's another favorite songwriter of mine. And he'll do that sometimes. He just reports the story to a tune. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And I did that in Hank Gathers, if you've heard that song. It's mm-hmm. about a basketball player that had a heart condition similar yeah. to mine and died on the court. And I said, I just want to write his story. But it took me a long time to come to that because for like three years I had it in the back of my head, I want to write a song about Hank Gathers because I had a, such an emotional response mm. to his story. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. And then finally I thought to myself, well, Tom T. Hall would just write down what happened. And so yeah. I tried to just very straight, in a straightforward way, just write whatever it is, six verses about this is where he was born, then this happened, then this happened. Mm. And... I do love that type of song, but I, I'm all over the place right now. But it's I can't. It's it's about impossible for like if for me to just sit down and write a song. Yeah, I just can't do that, and I have to. Like I said, I have to kind of know what the angle is, and I don't know. And and then uh, maybe it brews around in the back of your brain for long enough, and then finally, when it's time, you're ready to just get I it think out so. there. Yeah, it seems like that, doesn't it? Yeah, like, like something birth really. Yeah, it's like it's. And I know you've probably felt the same way. Like when you get that, it's like I can still remember I wrote this stupid poem about a about a dog that was supposed to be funny mm-hmm. when I was in like ninth or tenth grade. And and I still get that same feeling. Like when I've got something going, there's no better feeling in the world. You're like, I've got oh, one. Yeah. I've got one. I'm and, you, gonna, and you just it's fun. And that, that's why that line, I have to almost obey this. Yeah. Thing, because it's just you have so much energy. I mean, Jesse is a painter or an artist and different mediums like you've you've sent, felt that too of like oh it's just flowing right yeah yeah i mean that the 
the hard part is like, you know, as we get older, we talked about this in one of our other podcasts that, you know, it dims like your, your, uh, delight and excitement for making something. It just goes away. And, you know, and I think when you're in a space where you're, or at least this, I'm speaking for myself when I'm at, when I'm relaxed and, you know, there's space. Like, I think you said that earlier when, when there's space, to wonder and to think and and to put all those like sensations and ideas and visuals and stuff into uh, you know a place and just kind of see what comes out of it you know and for me it's art but for you it's music yeah. for you it's writing yeah. you know so and rapping yeah and rapping Paper. like freestyle well, a freestyle oh freestyle rapping right? yeah, yeah. No, no one's seen it yet <laughs> i had I'd, i read one time that neil young wrote um like, I think it was like three of the songs on Harvest, which is one of my favorite Neil Young albums. Like, I, I think it was on Harvest. I, I'm not positive. I forget a lot of stuff. But he he had had a, he'd been sick with a fever. And like, as he was sick in bed or coming out of it, he wrote these three classic songs. And um, maybe it had something to do with the fever too. But I feel like it's also like, well, you, no, but you were just sitting there with, with your mind. Right. Nothing else was going on. Yeah. And I, I'm bad about like, I'd, I'd constantly distract myself. I think if I would just like if if my phone would just break and the the TV didn't work anymore, I might be the most prolific songwriter on <laughs> on the earth. But we're n- we'll never know that because Anthologies I keep myself distracted. Of Jaws yeah, but I I, yeah. I I talk to my kids about that. I'm like I'm worried about you guys and your mm-hmm. generation because yeah. you're never bored. I'm never bored. Like if if I if I'm like have two seconds of boredom, I pull my foot yeah. pull my phone out and I'm like I wonder if anybody wrote anything funny. Yeah, and. Like yeah. you're just you have to allow yourself to be bored to let your brain work. Totally. That that's we we had talked about that another time where I think Jesse you had said something like I mean boredom is the catalyst for creativity. Mm-hmm. It can be. I mean mm-hmm. it can also be, you know, you can go into other things as well. But mm-hmm. right, yeah, we're we're not people don't know what boredom is here yeah. in, in the U.S. It doesn't feel like it's like. And it's one of the keys to creativity. That. And I yeah. I wonder if you lose creativity like Jesse you were talking about. As it like it dims, like I don't I don't know if that just naturally happens or if it's like you have so many other things taking up your brain like your brain power, yeah. like you're worried like about how you're raising your kids and bills and jobs and all that stuff. So I think it's maybe a natural thing, but mm-hmm. um, maybe this is a good time that I, I feel like I'm getting. I kn- I knew there was some creativity in there, and mm-hmm. I didn't totally lose it. But I feel like around 2020, I started getting it back, hmm. and I don't know exactly why, but I've I've definitely had a lot of moments where I cool. felt like it's back. I think it's also <laughs> responding to what you said too of that feeling of that this last bit of inspiration. Maybe it was a song, maybe it was a chapter in a book, maybe it was a book or whatever you've created. Kind of what I've read too about a lot of people that have the same exact sense that like, oh, wow, is this it? But so that's such a it's an interesting that that's such a common thing. Like, what if this, you know, is like existential fear of like yeah. this could be it. But also, I think, though, so it is interesting that that's so common, but also this idea that, uh, um, yeah, that that we maybe it's grounding and humbling to know it could be it, you know, and so yeah. maybe you. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I, I won't get into it, but I in 2008, I found out I have like a pretty, like a serious heart condition. I've got a pacemaker defibrillator and um, that 
that kind of put a little fire under me too because I was like I had I had some songs at that time and I did record another album by myself which I don't like as much but it, and it's I just felt like well if I die like mm. no one no one knows any of this like I yeah. want my kids to have something yeah. that, that they'll hear like cuz you know they were they were younger at the time and it felt like I want them to to know that I that I had these mm. songs and that that kind of lit the fire for me to do that and I I don't I don't live with a sense of urgency. I I wish I did, but I do more so because because of that condition mm. that I have and it and and I think even this time it feels like well these songs didn't even exist and now they exist in my living room and I'm gonna put them on something that's permanent just in case anybody cares. That's mm. how it, that's how it felt. Wow, I love that. Yeah, I would say the. Trav, you probably had a similar experience, like when you were talking about writing Redemption's Echo, your first book. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing Danny talk about just like, I want my kids to yeah. have, you know, these compiled thoughts and, and stories and, and this message that I feel like is just inside of me and I have to get it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I know one day I want something for them to hold and yep. for them to know that this is what their dad thought and yeah. felt. Yeah, no, I, I totally resonate with that. And I think, you know, I lost my dad. Um, I think often when we lose someone close to us, one of the first things we do is we start to look for all the clues of, you know, the, the things that they left behind. And, and it, it's it's kind of this, it's almost like we're you're looking for the closest you can get to what their presence was when they were here. And so, you know, um, that's why it's so common. And part of it's dealing with grief, but like, you know, grabbing the scrapbooks and grabbing everything that you can visually and 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 anything else. And so, yeah, I, I have that same thing of where, to me, it 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 moved up the timetable. I was always thinking, yeah, I'd love to write a book, but yeah, like what you're saying, it just made me think. Like, I don't know. None of us yeah. know how long we have. And for the kids to actually hold something their dad wrote, that's man. I mean, that that's just spurred me. Like, you, yeah, you know, yeah. I I mean, I I think it's. That that's definitely been, I guess, the inspiration to do to do all this stuff. And I I totally respect what you and Jesse are doing. You guys are both very creative people, and but but not just creative, but like taking action. Yeah. And I that's not my specialty taking taking action. So I I do like you guys inspire me in that way. Mm. And um, you know, I, I know what a daunting task it is to try to write a book, yeah. and you've done two of them now, and they they're great. And, um, in fact, a lot of what you wrote in shiny eyes is we had so many great discussions around that about just <laughs> art and why it matters, That's right, yeah. why beauty matters and things like things Danny like that. edited the book shiny eyes. So I helped cool a little bit with uh, it, he... but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the, the thing about creating for the sake of creating and it's not necessarily I I think I had a uh, this false thing where I was like, well, I don't want to perform, and I'm not doing this to show off, and that I needed to be more humble to not have that hmm. attitude. Yeah. Um, and I think it took more humility now to put this to put my stuff out there than it would to say like, hmm. well, I'm I'm not a I don't want to perform. I'm not doing this for people's praise. You know, like people have this weird idea sometimes about like, well, I just play music for myself or something. Right. I, yeah, I know, but it's like you—you you have a gift, share it, you know. It's yeah. Like, I mean, and that's and that's fine too that you play it for yourself, but and that—that—that's another thing is like, and we've discussed this is like, it's kind of neat to have somebody like writing songs about 
experiences that you know too. Right. Like, uh, I would love it if I had somebody writing a book about like us growing up or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. And and I think we used to maybe have that like more localized. Like everybody mm-hmm. had the the bard or the singer <laughs> yeah. that would write about what's going on here. Um, and so I don't know. When I was growing up, it felt like the musicians were these other people. Like uh, that was never me. Right. Um, it's it's these people that are that exist in a totally different realm. Mm. And so I, I love what the internet's done for that. Like anybody can put anything out there yeah. and they're saying, this is about my experience. So I, I think that's a cool thing. Yeah. No, you're right. The accessibility to create is huge. And, and then to, to hear it. Listen, Danny's going to go ahead and play his last song, March 28th, 1992. Go ahead and tell us about this song. All right. Um, well, like I said, I grew up in Kentucky and, we didn't have any pro sports teams or anything like that there and it's 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 still the same actually but Kentucky basketball is like rules everything that's all anybody cares about football football is starting to like come on lately but basketball really is the only thing that matters and so when I in 1992 they had, they had been coming off some kind of rough years and Rick Pitino came from New York and kind of brought them back into prominence they had some great like hometown Kentucky boys we called them on the team and back then, people didn't just come for one year and then go pro. Like these were guys that came and played for a long time, so you got to know them. And so it, this was like just one of the most beloved basketball teams. And uh, I I grew up like when on the playground at school in '92, I would have been around 10 years old or something. Okay. But I I would always like argue I want to be Richie Farmer this this game when we're playing outside. We just pick our favorite players and stuff, but. I guess I'm just trying to explain like this is that's that's what mattered to us in mm. Kentucky, and um, it it mattered a lot. And that year, like they had a great season, and and they they in the in the tournament um, in March Madness, they met up with Duke, and Duke to us was like these preppy kids and these rich guys, and we had these scrappy Kentucky boys, and uh, it was just a, a killer matchup. And we, we had company over that night for the game, and my dad took the game very seriously too. And as it got as it got towards the end of the game, he went in his bedroom to watch to watch the rest of the game by himself. Um, I don't know exactly why. I can kind of understand it because we were kids and stuff, but we were we were bought in. But anyway, he went back into his room, and as the game got towards the end, I went in there to watch it with him. So it was just me and my dad, and with like. I want to say it was like 2.3, I should know this, but like 2.3 seconds left, Sean Woods hit a bank shot to put us ahead by one point. Um, and I, and we're cheering. The game's over. Right. There's two seconds left. And then um, Duke had a player that some people might know him, Christian Leitner. And uh, he, long story short, they threw a full-length pass to Christian Leitner. He hadn't missed a shot the entire game. He caught the pass. He turned kind of a fadeaway at the kind of the top of the key and hit the shot as the buzzer went off and just crushed us, crushed our spirits. And um, they show it every March Madness. They show Christian Leitner running towards the camera with his hands up. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, if you go to a Kentucky game, half the people there are still going to be wearing shirts that say, I still hate Leitner <laughs> for that shot. But um, I just, I, I guess a few years ago, I just started kind of thinking a lot about that and what college basketball meant to us and thinking about being there with my dad. And mm. um, my dad had tears in his eyes after the game. 
And um, that's, as I look back, I'm just so nostalgic about those times and what that meant. And um, so I knew I, I'd, I'd written a piano, just piano music. Mm-hmm. And I was calling it March 28th, 1992, because it was kind of <laughs> sad music. And then um, somewhere along the line, I kind of wrote this down. And I, I kind the way I wrote the words, I kind of thought it was so specific that no one would like it. Right. But I played it for Everett and Dave. And when I when I got done playing it just for them, like I'm about to do here, Everett just kind of looked at me and he's like, well, we have to record that. So I was like, oh, <laughs> like a, like other people think that's a good song. Okay, so we'll do it. <laughs> so that's uh, we did. And um, I've had people tell me it's their favorite song. And like even if they don't know what it's about, yeah. I, I tried to write it in such a way that it created that it, it if you know what it's about, it's very specific. Right. But if you don't know what it's about, I, I feel like it can still produce a feeling or an emotion. Sure which is what I tried to do with that song. What I love about what you just said, too, is I think there's a, there's a great line by Frederick Beatner where he talks about the story of any of us is the story of us all. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something, like you just kind of said, like, you know, people may not even know Kentucky basketball, maybe not even basketball fans. There's something about it. They're brought into the, your yeah. story or your experience. Yeah, so. I'm, that, and that's one of the things I love about music, too, is like you don't, I don't share many experiences with musicians that I listen to, but if they're doing their job right, then it, it'll it'll put you in a frame of mind to remember something from when you were 10. Because ultimately the the story of that song is not really about the game. Right. It's about my dad being up on the roof, making sure the antenna was pointed just right so that when the game came on at 8 o'clock or whatever, it was crystal clear. Right. And that's that's a memory I have of every every time there's a Kentucky game my dad would go up on the roof and me or my brother or sister would be either yelling from the window or the door, turn it back the other way. <laughs> you messed it up or it's good. Leave it. Don't touch it. Don't touch yeah. it. But that's, that's more what that song is about. Just that experience. I'm hanging out the window. Yelling to my dad. Had it there before. Try moving it back. Shut the window, son. It's freezing in this house. We're tuning CBS, Mom, so I can't close it now. In the eastern Appalachians. Was tobacco farms and coal down every gravel driveway a backboard and a goal you can't trust New York but winning speaks real loud and when everyone else quit a few good ones stuck around I know the preachers tell us Hate kills and destroys So I'm trying to forgive The way they've done our boys You may hear from some old timers There's a few times in life When a man can be excused if you can't help but cry I'm laying 
they're defeated Looking at my dad We had it there before Then they took it back When he turned the TV off It was silent in that room If emptiness could kill The whole state would be a tomb Mama, I'm just lying here I can't catch my breath It feels like a full-grown man Is stepping on my chest the storytelling in the song and just how you're just kind of captured by the lyrics just brought into the story what about what what role does your your faith play in your songwriting or kind of in how you see being a musician or yeah where, where does faith kind of come into play for you in your yeah i i've i've thought a lot about that i feel like i'm more confused than ever but i I don't write what I would consider to be Christian music, but um, I am a Christian and that it just that's part of who I am. And it it just kind of is part of everything that I do create. And um, I I've written more like, well, some very personal stuff like that. Like I said, part of part of being a songwriter and putting stuff out there is that I feel exposed and it's probably not a good thing. So I'm not saying this is the way it should be, but I have I have some stuff I've written that I feel like it's just for me, like it's, mm-hmm. this is private and I don't want to expose that. And I also have a fear of cheapening things mm-hmm. that now I'm trying to write something that they could sing in church or that, right. and I don't, I'm, I, I'm not judging any of that. I'm not saying there's anything yeah. wrong with it, but the stuff I've written feels so personal that I, that I, that I don't want to share it. Um, there's other things I've written that I almost feel like I've I've got some stuff coming up. I hope we're hoping to record some more stuff, some new stuff soon. We got a bunch of songs, but that I put questions to God in in songs, and like I I have a lot of things that I'm wondering about, and um, <laughs> there's a, there's a line in a new song. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's like, did you, like, are you sure about giving us free will because this isn't working out that mm-hmm. great? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I do feel like that's that. Everything I write that has to be a part of it, but the stuff that it's more serious, I'm at this point keeping to myself. And like I said, I don't know if that's even a good thing. So, um, but I, I want people, I'm a relational person. I'm not somebody that goes out and is going to like strike up a conversation and witness to somebody in the airport. Now, that might happen. I hope it does. But that's not who I am. It's not, it's never who I've been. And, and there was a time where I felt guilty about that. Until I realized, like, well, I've got ways that I relate to people, mm-hmm. and I care about people, and I'm I'm gonna show them the love of Christ that way. And mm-hmm. so I, I hope I hope the way I go about my life and my music in general um, backs that up. I know it I know it always doesn't always, but that would be my goal. But it's it's not my goal to write explicitly Christian music. It's, but I try to be honest and. Yeah. And even if it's a made-up character or, or something that is just sounds funny at the time, I just 
I have a real hard time like not not being honest in anything and like music related. And I think people are just completely drawn to honesty um, across the board. I mean, it's vulnerability, honesty, being real. Um, Open up the diary on you. Yeah. That's what everybody's wondering about. Like, what's yeah. in Danny's diary? <laughs> that should be a song, Danny's Diary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, we really appreciate you coming coming and having this conversation with us. And, um, you know, I'll be reflecting on some of the stuff you said for the rest of the day. Um, as far as your music and, you know, how, how people can kind of find you and and maybe see an upcoming show. Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, we've got an album called Nine Good Songs. It's a 10-track album. And <laughs> if you just look up Wasper Jaws, it's on it's on all the Spotify, Apple, um, I don't know, YouTube. That I did a thing that put it on everything. So, yeah, look at, just Google it or look it up on Spotify. Um, would love to hear from you if you listen to it. And um, we do have a show coming up February 17th. It's like a songwriter showcase that's happening in Lawrence, South Carolina. It's called The Homegrown. So I'm mm. sure if you Google that, you could find it. Or I, um, me or my wife probably have, I think we've both posted about it on Instagram. Instagram, just Wasper Jaws. And we post some music there occasionally. And I, I thank you both for having me. This has been like the easiest thing. I've never been on a podcast before, <laughs> probably obviously. But every time I get together with you guys, like it's like we say like, hey, and then we're in some deep conversation <laughs> about about faith and creativity, like all this stuff. So this is this has been very easy. Like you guys, that's kind of the way you live your lives. And I it's I, I love talking about it. And Travis, if you are, want to talk about Enneagram sometime, we, we've gotten used to doing that together. So Yeah, no, that's <laughs> going to be a future, uh, another, your second episode on a podcast. Yeah, I, I yeah. think people will probably be sending in <laughs> a lot of emails asking for, like, when's he going to be back? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the the listening just spiked after this yeah. episode. So, um, but yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for uh, those nice words. And it's, the feeling's mutual. I think there's just, yeah, it's just... I think we we both, all three of us, just uh, when you come together, there's a spark and an energy, and and the way we see life is really similar. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, it's been awesome having you on, and uh, love your music, and uh, yeah, keep uh, keep on keeping on. So thanks again for joining our podcast today. Um, if you like or enjoy it, please share it, and it helps others to see it. Please leave a review; we'd love that. And until next time, we need some words to take us out. What do you got, Jess? I got keep, nothing. Keep, I, up, I, keep up with that beard care routine. <laughs> keep up with the beard care and be careful around bonfires and fireworks and other highly flammable things. Just be careful in general. Be careful in general. Actually, there's a great line that says, living on Earth has always been a dangerous way to spend your time. Mm. We'll go out with you that. Come up with, <laughs> come up with an ordinary life manual. Okay. <laughs> Be regular. Be regular. That's my, that's that's my also theory. Important. Awesome. All right. Check out the show notes to follow Wasper Jaws and where to find their music. I hope today's episode has inspired you to create things, use your gifts, and cultivate your ordinary in new ways. Have an epic day.